The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about Benjamin Franklin's life, but especially about a family war that happened in his own home regarding his family. So stay tuned to the show for some very interesting information for you and your loved ones. We are uh, we are broadcasting our show today from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the March issue of the Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. Our April issue will come out on April the 3rd. So thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues for the past eight years on our website, as well as you can view and download the current 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, our most popular publication on our website and in printed form. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Our friends at Ernest Arlene's offers a a special Best of Times special dinner each and every Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to close with fabulous meals at a highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special to make advanced reservations by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318 226 1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A Bears Town and Country F Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A-Bears, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest, is Mr. Rich Lamb, who is an attorney. I also call him a historian, and he's going to present some information about Benjamin Franklin's life, especially the war in Benjamin Franklin's home. So thank you, Rich, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour today. Good morning. Today. Well, good morning to you. So I, I want to do a little uh, 
prologue here is I heard Rich give this presentation at a men's club meeting a few months ago, and I thought it'd be a great topic to present on my radio show because my radio show listeners are quite interested in history, especially American history, and especially their love of our famous and infamous Benjamin Franklin. So, again, thank you for sharing that with our uh, listeners today. I thought it was fascinating um, that that uh, when you gave that presentation to our group there that I was not aware of this particular incident and situation where I think a lot of people uh, will have some feelings, uh, sad feelings, and, and sadly, but also some some good feelings. I mean, Dr. Franklin was a remarkable person, right? That true? He really is. There, there, there's an unending supply of information about him, but you still can't. Uh, research at all it's a story that was new to me and that i came across serendipitously the suggestion of a friend and it did not go the way i thought it would oh, um really and, and so it was much more profound story much more profound relationship that frankly made it even more sad and uh but that also assumes that we have access to all the information we need to pass judgment on the decisions made but it's it, it really is something else, and I think a lot of people would be surprised about the story. And I'm sure there are other similarities of, of, of in, famous individuals where they had internal problems that they wish never occurred, but, you know, it happens, right? It, it, it does. You look at Winston Churchill. You look at uh, uh, Ronald Reagan's family. Any famous person is going to have something like we all do. Uh, uh, there is no such thing as a normal family, as a lawyer. That's a good comment. No that, such that, thing as a normal family. There's okay. re- there is, but there are some that are more interesting than others, I will say that. And um, you look at certain famous individuals, especially those that have been leaders in crisis, uh, there's an aspect of their personal lives that is often compromised due to prioritizing other things. Well, Ben Franklin's no different. Well, Rich, a little sidebar, I've been preaching to my listeners and, and, and readers the best of times for about at least five years now. I'm telling them, it's important, guys and ladies, you need to record the family stories, whether they're good or bad, to pass down a generation. I mean, there have been some individuals that thank me for like instilling upon them and their loved ones to, to give that, even though it's some bad. Some of the stories uh, I've been told, I mean, ladies and gentlemen have told me some stories. I mean, yes, there, it happens in, in life that there's going to be some bad situation, good situation, but might as well give it to the family so they don't find out about it by Googling it many years later, right? And making assumptions. Uh, uh, I know someone who didn't want to have an obituary, and I encourage them to have one published because it gives their descendants and their family a way to track them to understand exactly. what they did and where they live. And I agree it is important. Uh, while I wouldn't put the bad stuff in the obituary, it is good to share some of those things to understand how we yeah. all got here. Yeah. Okay, so let's go. Let's go on to the statement. I thought your statement that you made in your presentation was you want to you want to mention. You mean you mean give it. While while we may not don powdered wigs or absurd amounts of makeup, we have this right because of our respective ancestors and the founding fathers of this great country, including Dr. Franklin, studied politics and war so that their children could study mathematics, philosophy, navigation, commerce, and agriculture, so that we may do what we are doing each and every day. I thought that was a great beginning statement of your presentation. And it really, you know, shows what these gentlemen sacrificed. Uh, They could have uh, led lives of leisure. A lot of them were large landowners. A lot of them had a lot of unpaid people who were working for them. A lot of them had means to 
not be engaged, but they chose to be engaged. And uh, uh, I think, you know, the fact that we have the privilege to sit here and, and comfort to discuss these things shows that we, you know, sit under the trees planted by our ancestors, both direct and indirect. And, uh, uh, you know, whether it's our group or we get to discuss ideas and um, provide feedback, you know, it's because... We, we have the opportunity. We have a wonderful country, but a lot of people take it for granted that, you know, we're here. But I'm telling individuals, you know, even though my ancestors weren't here until many years later, uh, they, there was a lot of sacrifices to make America the greatest country in the world. I agree. You know, the, the concept of the individual and individual liberties, you know, we're we're the beacon of hope for that. And this is a phenomenal place that, you know, we take for granted all the time. We do. We do. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's start. Let's start it. So beginning, tell tell our listeners about uh, Benjamin Franklin and his son, right? So we all know about Benjamin Franklin. We think of him as the, the man on the uh, on currency. He's in countless <laughs> pictures. He's in countless movies and documentaries. One of the probably the most interesting man that ever lived and uh, certainly is is credited with a lot of quotes. In right. fact, I know of people that have gotten his quotes confused with parables and stories in the Bible. <laughs> I had to correct some of like, That's like, a good like, one. Uh, God only helps those that help themselves is not in Scripture. That's from oh, Benjamin Franklin. Wow. And so uh, uh, and uh, uh, I actually looked that up and found that. But, you know, incredible man that, that uh, lived during an incredible time and had tremendous influence. And so he was the most famous American at the time. It's important to understand that he was greatly respected both in the United States and in Europe. He was given an honorary uh, 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 citizenship uh, uh, in St. Andrews. Uh, In fact, uh, when Bobby Jones uh, was given an honorary citizenship in St. Andrews, when he was alive, the famous golfer, Mm -hmm. uh, the list only had three people, including Bobby Jones and the first was Benjamin Franklin. It's an impressive list. Wow. And I don't recall the second, but here you have someone who's well-known. You know, we, we think of it's easy to learn about somebody in this day and age, but this is a day and age when information traveled incredibly slow, but people still knew about him. He was uh, uh, he would correspond with people in Europe on scientific experiments, things like that. So, so we're not dealing with an obscure person. A, a prolific writer, correct. Prolific in a lot of ways. Writer, experiments. I mean, I... I don't, I don't see how he had all the time to do all this. I'm convinced he had a longer day than the rest of us had. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, what was one of his sayings? Early to bed, early to rise makes a person wealthy and wise, right? He, yes, he, but he didn't follow a lot of those himself. <laughs> he was a very practical man. He saw he saw morals and religion and other things in very practical contexts, um, which, which is incredibly interesting. And uh, uh, he certainly had a lot of uh, uh, tenets of, of citizenship and morality. That he had no problem sharing with others, too. Mm-hmm. I, and we, we'll talk about some of those. But, yes, a lot of the – do you think – we're going off track here. Do you think today in America, and we're teaching our young kids and my, my grandkids, and so are we, are we giving them Benjamin Franklin true justice in the educational system? I would argue we're not giving any of the founding fathers, fathers oh. true justice. I think why is that? Well – uh, uh, I certainly have some political viewpoints, uh, but that that's speculative is why we're, we're we're seem to be ignoring that to a large large extent. Um, I think that as our country is older, we have more history we have to cover in a school year. That might have something to do with it. 
But I think there are people that think that uh, because of the way somebody looks in the time period they live in, that they're no longer relevant. And I think that's <laughs> absurd. And uh, uh, we are benefiting from Benjamin Franklin and all the other founding fathers as we speak. They sac- they, they, they risk their, uh, their fortune, their reputation, and their very lives. And a lot of them lost their fortunes and didn't reclaim it. You know, uh, having a bunch of U.S. dollars wasn't actually a great thing to have probably in the first couple of decades. No, it was. Probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, uh, but to truly understand Benjamin Franklin, not unlike Thomas Jefferson, he probably deserves his own class, which may not be practical, but uh, I think every citizen should feel an obligation to learn more about him. That's, that's a good point. Let's let's hope the educational system and hopefully people are reading it on their own. I, I know just like you and others have have read lots of uh, historical novels and historical accounts of Benjamin Franklin. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've read a few, but not, probably not as many as you have, Rich. Right? Well, uh, uh, Dr. Tom Presley suggested a number of books yeah. uh, on this very subject. And I tell you what, you know, you have somebody who their biographies written about them annually. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be new information each and every time. And because he was such a prolific writer, there's a lot of historical evidence to understand what he was thinking at the time. And because he was so well-known, his life was very well-documented. Um, and so I'm grateful for that because that gives us the record That's we need true. to go back and understand what he was doing. And he was involved with so many people, so others wrote about him, right, in France and in England and in America. A lot right. of witnesses, which is also helps uh, make someone famous and maybe even magnifies <laughs> their personality more than more than it really was. But it, it's incredibly impressive. Well, even the French, I know, we won't the sidebar here again. Gary's doing a lot. Of, so when I visit several times to Paris, the respect. Of, of, and the knowledge of Benjamin Franklin was is remarkable, and and just in Paris. I mean, he spent a lot of time in Paris, and he certainly. We saw the apartment where he stayed at; it's still there. And that that must have been unbelievable when you think about because it's not like he went in there just to sleep. That's where he wrote. That's where he was engaged uh-huh. in uh, uh, really high stakes uh, diplomacy. I mean, the very existence of America was uh, uh, the French had a lot to do with that, and. Um, it, his relationship with the French helped secure some of those uh, alliances. And helped us win our independence, too. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Without the French Navy, without the Marquis de Lafayette, I mean, things might have been very different. And it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. And he also really enjoyed the French lifestyle. Uh, uh, Pennsylvania, Quaker <laughs> Pennsylvania, is very different than Paris. <laughs> I would say that's still the case today. <laughs> it is exactly good, good yeah. revelation. Yes, yeah. yes, good revelation. So tell us about uh, his his son. So William is an interesting case because uh, Benjamin Franklin always liked the ladies. And it was not a real secret. Um, and it's important to understand who he was going to be married to or who he was married to at the time of William's birth. So Ben was going to marry Deborah, I believe it was Reed, but... It was a common-law marriage. Her husband, who was not a good person, abandoned her and went to Barbados. It was believed he was dead, but they didn't know if he was dead. And the punishment for bigamy, even if it was unintentional, was very strict and very, I mean, it was... It was cruel and unusual, hmm. and um, I don't recall the the exact thing, but I remember being like, "God, that's that's a horrible punishment for something that could have been a misunderstanding." So they had a common law marriage; they did not have a legal marriage, um, and so. But about the time they were quote unquote married, 
William was born, and Deborah was not the mother. And so we do not know who William's mother was. Uh, Ben Franklin kept that a secret. We don't know if it was a a lady of ill repute at the time or if it was somebody who was well-known and he wanted to protect her reputation. They think it was the former. Um, And they do have reason to believe that Ben may have provided some subsidy for this woman um, just out of the kindness of his heart. Or I don't know if she was blackmailing him or what. I don't know. So here is William, innocently born, but into a situation where his stepmother is bound to resent him because essentially... Uh, you have a physical manifestation in William of a scandalous liaison or affair that shows up right around the time of your marriage. And that must have been awkward, and the tension must have been palpable, to say the least. Correct me. Didn't Benjamin and Deborah have two children on their own? So they had Francis, who they called Frankie, a son, and they had Sarah. And um, something really important to understand is, is... uh, ben and Deborah really doted on Frankie and 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 Sarah, but especially Frankie. But unfortunately, Frankie died at a young age, and I believe it was I forgot what the illness was, but he he died at a very young age, very tragically. And Aww. so here you have Deborah, who sees William every day. The, again, the physical manifestation of a indiscretion of her husband outside the uh, uh, the marriage parameters, while she's mourning the loss of her quote unquote Truth legitimate son, son. Uh, who died very tragically, and so that did not make things better. Um, ben was a very indulgent father. Uh, again, Ben loved Frankie very much, and that was. Deeply, deeply saddening to Benjamin Franklin, who you would think of as a guy that may be able to forget and move on to the next thing because he was so active. But it was something incredibly sad. And Deborah, who lived a pretty sad life, yes, um, really had to deal with. And uh, uh, seeing William didn't help, and William felt that. William definitely felt that. And it was no fault of his own. And they also used the William's illegitimacy to, uh, sub, to subject Benjamin Franklin to a lot of ridicule, I'm sure. Correct. And so, you know, it was something that was attached to him the rest of his life in the 13 colonies in the United States. Uh, Ben's enemies used it against him. William's enemies used it against him. But you have here you have Ben Franklin, um, a very famous person, well-known. When you attacked Ben Franklin in the press, there was no doubt who it was. Even though he owned a new, multiple newspapers, um, they did not hold back. And it was, uh, 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 there are other allegations about who William's mother might be, things that you don't want to see in the paper. So did you feel William must have had a relatively happy childhood in doing things? Considering the facts and circumstances, he, he did. Now, with that being said, compared to others who weren't born into uh, uh, illegitimacy or the son of a famous father, um, no, it wasn't as happy. But considering all that went wrong and all that could have gone wrong, he had a relatively happy life, um, but there was that palpable tension in the household. His father, he, he became close to his father over time. Um, you know, Ben could have not acknowledged William, and, and, and we need to remember that. He, he, he acknowledged William, um, which he didn't have to do. A lot of people of fame or of means, if they had a, 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 
a relationship outside of marriage and, and father to child, they would say they would ignore it. I mean, there's no DNA testing. And oftentimes you have the reputation of a well-known individual versus the reputation of, again, a lady uh, uh, who would not have been a good reputation at the time. And so Ben loved William. And, and that's clear throughout the story. And I may disagree with some decisions Ben made later, but there's no doubt that he loved William. Um, and, uh, and and didn't he also help him get on to ascend it for England and as well as our country? Correct. And, and, and if you look at politics in any time period, when you ask for favors, you're spending political capital. And if you're a politician, <laughs> political capital is very valuable. And Ben had no problem using that to help William. Um, in fact, uh, ben, at a young age, wanted to go to sea, and his father, it, it scared his father, and he'd go out to sea, and, you know, it's in a wooden boat, and uh, which is scary. And then, you know, the British Navy wasn't scared to impound people sometimes and draft them into service on the spot. And so uh, 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 Ben's father encouraged him to go into the printing press business with, the, with mm-hmm. his brother. Uh, William, the same thing. Mentioned a career in the military, you know, while exciting, certainly could you know, he could be killed or, or, or maimed. And, and Ben saw that, and he was worried about him. And so while he tried to talk him out of it, and he certainly used his prior experience of when he was a kid and impulsive and decided, you know what, the best thing for me to do is to help William ascend in a responsible manner um, so he can be the best he can be. It's better for me to be involved than not involved than something bad happened to him. But he used his political capital until the ultimate fallout. Ben went out of his way to help William. Um, and and didn't didn't um, I think you you mentioned that 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 uh, William was part of Ben's many of his experience experiments excluding the kite. And you know when I first started researching this, and I knew there was a fallout, but I didn't know what happened before then. Um, and one of the biographies it talked about at the very beginning how William was there with Ben, not as a little kid, but as I believe twenty two years old. During the famous kite experience. I mean, you think wow. of Ben Franklin, that's what you think about. Uh-huh. And, yes, and, it is. And when you learn about William Franklin, you can't ignore the fact that his son, as an adult, so capable of angering Ben, certainly by that time, was part of, you know, Ben Franklin, arguably his most famous act. And what about the other, the other situation where, where Benjamin Franklin raised a militia to defend the city and, and that William was part of that, right? That's right. And they had to defend the city. Um, they were very active in political affairs together in Pennsylvania, including the, the defending the western boundaries of Pennsylvania. Um, and when they were defending the city, Ben received a lot of public ed- uh, uh, celebration. And William, seeing that, being ambitious himself, could easily see what happens if you're a defender of, I guess, the Philadelphia was its own realm, so to speak, in this context. But when you, when you defend the city, when you offend the public, when you, when you stand up uh, 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 for the civic side of things, and that wasn't lost on William. And, and also mentioned that, that uh, William studied in England, right? He, he went to England he to did. study so law. He, he studied uh, uh, under a prominent lawyer, and um, Ben sought this out for him. And Ben was no doubt relieved that his son was pursuing a career with less danger. Um, and he was, uh, I believe, at the Temple Bar, the most famous in London. <laughs> and it, it, it's it's one of those things. That was a profession that you had to do, like an apprenticeship. We would call it a mm-hmm. clerkship now, to learn and read the law. 
and you know they didn't go to law school for three years and they go sit for the bar exam for for England. It was it was much more than that. It was much more hands on than that. And Ben didn't hold back and encouraged him to do so. And but William got to interact with a lot of prominent people and become accustomed to the ways of England, which compared to rural America at the time seemed very exciting, very cosmopolitan, not unlike Ben Franklin's experience in Paris. But like father, like son, he loved women, right? He did. Uh, William uh, liked the ladies. He liked the ladies of high society. And then he liked the ladies that were, shall we say, not in high High society. society. (laughs) That may have been more agreeable to what he was looking for at the time. Um, William is very ambitious. He was a social climber, but he also liked to have a good time. And uh, William uh, 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 fathered an illegitimate child himself, Temple Franklin. And Temple's going to be a character in the story till the very till the very end. And uh, there's actually quite a bit written on Temple too. I'm not an expert on that subject matter, but he lived a life of, of relative prominence. Nothing like Ben, but prominent. Okay, before we break, I thought the most interesting aspect of, of this start of this story was that in 1761 that uh, both Benjamin and William attended the coronation, right, of King George III. I thought this was so interesting, and the irony was almost distracting so, when I first heard about so it. So quickly tell our listeners about this. This is fascinating. So this is really interesting, and I first learned about it. You know, when you write papers, you usually use books, but in Kim Burns very comprehensive documentary on Ben Franklin. And here you have King George, King George, such a prominent figure in the revolutionary story mm-hmm. is having this coronation at Westminster, lots of pomp and circumstance. You think of Ben Franklin is wearing a, a what was like a, a nutria skin hat or something. He's, he dresses rustic and purpose when he's in Paris, he's sitting in the balcony, but he's attending just the attendance mm-hmm. alone is, is interesting. But in the balcony, I mean, by no means is it the beggars, but it's the less influential, the less prominent folks. William, through his social contacts, or maybe even Ben's, is on the floor and even part of the procession. Wow. And this isn't like a second line down a street in in Louisiana. (laughs) This is a large, grand affair that uh, a lot of people witnessed. was certainly an exclusive procession. He was uh, amongst the uh, nobles and dignitaries. And you see what William's really after, what what his priorities are. Ben's there because it's an historic event, and he is a proud Briton at that time, but he's less concerned because I do think if Ben wanted to, he could have ended up in that procession. But it, that was one of the most ironic, interesting things, and it really shows the contrast between what the what what the two prioritize. And he was probably one of the few person from the colonies down in the main gallery. I would imagine so, if 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 not the only person. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country Rush Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears Tending Country F Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Mr. Rich Lamb, who's an attorney and historian, and he's presenting information about Benjamin Franklin's life, especially about a story, a true story, regarding a war in Benjamin Franklin's own home. So continue, Rich. This is getting fascinating even more. I like I like reiteration. I've heard this presentation, but some of the uh, additional items that you're bringing today are, are really interesting. Thank you. And so it, it is interesting, and it's the uh, uh, it's a story a lot of people don't know. And where we left off was the, the, their presence at the coronation. And and something interesting about the story is William stays, and you know, there's it's not like everyone goes home after the coronation. There are after parties and things like that. But Benjamin, after the coronation, walked home, didn't take a cab. <laughs> just walked back to his humble uh, 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 home there at the time. And it really, it, again, it just shows the stark contrast. You can see them kind of not drifting apart, but you can see the parallel paths, but different paths that they're taking. The different loyalty paths, right? That's right. You might, might and, say that. And right? it's important to remember that Benjamin Franklin, uh, uh, both in heart and mind, believed in the cause of the British Empire. He's not mm. thinking revolution at the time. He was a loyal Briton. He saw mm-hmm. it as incredibly practical, uh, um, uh, the constitutional monarchy, and he thought it was the best the, the, the best way to assure uh, personal liberties. And mm-hmm. so it was. It, it, Benjamin Franklin was not born a revolutionary uh, in the political sense or the military sense. So meanwhile, uh, Benjamin left and and William stayed, and I take it he ended up getting engaged and married, right? He did. And so before getting married, though, um, Ben, as we discussed, used his influence to uh, uh, speak to Lord Butte, the prime minister at the time, and to other important individuals about uh, William uh, to get him a job. Well, the ministers um, of King George III's government had already observed William's capacity and decided to make him a a royal governor in New Jersey. And the reason I mentioned that before the marriage is he had no other means of finance other than Ben Franklin or this potential job. Um, And very important. And William, William, you know, being socially ambitious did not uh, uh, marry a girl of humble means. Uh, The daughter of a wealthy uh, gentleman who owned uh, plantations in Barbados. Wow. uh, Presumably sugar. And so this is someone with passive income. This is someone that he'd be proud to be married to. And she is accustomed to England, not rural America. Mm. And and so the the marriage occurred, but Benjamin didn't occur, didn't it, attend. Right? This is this is odd because I don't understand why he did this. He did try to discourage marriage. Uh, uh, thought she would wait till later or mm-hmm. things like that. But he he decides to hop on a ship to go to America. And Ben Franklin's not someone that really has deadlines or has to be somewhere by Monday. I mean, it's clearly a voluntary choice that he just, he wasn't forced to leave. He could have waited and easily gone to the wedding. And that to have been incredibly sad. It's it's certainly noticeable when your famous father is not at your wedding. And I imagine that people prominent in British government, British society were there. Noticed that. Notice It must it Notice would have been the noticeable. Missing. Absolutely. Notice. So mentioned, I, I thought I'd, he so William was had high aspirations, including bowing to the king and kissing his ring. Kissing, well, why did he do that? You wonder. Well, the, the pledge is loyalty, and he saw it again. Not only as the best assurance of his personal liberties, but 
if you want to be part of the British Empire, you want to ascend, why not attach yourself to one of the richest people in the world? And that is the king. So the married couple arrives back in Philadelphia to take over the position in New Jersey. And does Benjamin accept this? He does. He welcomes them, which is awkward. There seems to be something missing there uh, when you read the story of why he chose the left. and, and Or maybe Ben threw a fit and left, but then got to sit. Again, it's a long, it's a long trip and got to discern the process more. I'm like, you know what? This is a good girl. This is good my son's doing this. He, he, he's on a, a, a productive path as a good citizen. Uh, and he was especially excited about the, the royal appointment. Um, also, you know, Ben, it didn't hurt Ben's political position for his son to be a royal governor uh, of New Jersey. So mention to our listeners what, what occurs, uh, I can't remember how long after it, but uh, in 1774 about Benjamin being questioned by the Privy Council, right? In their, in their, which I, I thought that was an interesting term, the cockpit. I wonder why, why was it called that? I if you're a subject in any any kind of cockpit, no matter what the, is the <laughs> nickname or anything, it's bad. Okay. You're not in a good position. So, and this um, was in London, right? This was in London, and this was he was uh, summoned to come there, huh? And the images that are out there, um, you know, suggest that these individuals were sitting above him, and he was down lower, uh, which is not a good feeling. Again, in any context. To make it worse, here here is Ben as a representative of Pennsylvania and, and arguably represents the views of most, if not all, the colonies. And then everyone receives word before his appearance about the Boston Tea Party. Oh, yes. And so, you know, the, the British are agitated. And who is before you but the most famous colonist there is? And so although Ben was born in Boston and had family there, he was in Pennsylvania, but it was a great time. To, you know, you're searching for the first scapegoat you can find, and you're mad, and here's this guy who's famous. Let's bring him down a notch. Um, so they so they did that. They, they they laid into him, and they accused him of fomenting disorder in the colonies. You know, when you think about a rural governor, you think about uh, colonists. It's not unlike the uh, uh, the Roman Empire. You know, or you think about scripture when they talk about the uh, uh, the high priests. They wanted them to maintain order. That was their practical benefit to the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's no chaos so we can collect our taxes and everything is good. The British Empire had a very similar view to the colonists. Yeah, on paper they had rights. And there are certain wealthy ones that were distant relatives. <laughs> but they wanted them to obey and pay be taxes. productive and pay taxes. And it, whether the taxes be increased or they're not That's appropriate... Right. Tough. The empire was seen as a source of natural resources, uh, trade, and growth, and revenue. So tell our listeners, what what caused Benjamin to take up the patriot cause in America? After this, again, Ben always thought he was equal to the people in England. And it was this treatment, and it was this reaction where the uh, rose-colored glasses started <laughs> to come off. And he began to realize, I will never be equal to these people. And I, I, I can't say I've ever experienced that, but I imagine it's a horrible feeling. Because we're not talking about someone being a better athlete than somebody else. We're talking about, in the eyes of the law and in the governing authorities, a different class of person. And So to, what happened after that is, did William, his son, 
respect his decision? William thought, you know, take your it's politics, you know, take your medicine, keep quiet, and go back to work. And, and Ben, Ben's a proud person, and he thought it was absurd, and he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to be, you know, treated like a child. And then and, Ben wanted William probably to resign his post, right? Correct. And so if you follow British politics, when somebody disagrees with policy, they resign. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes with no election is just resignations and, and, and appointments. And so that's how you showed protest. And Ben expected his son to resign, but his son didn't. You know, there, there's practical reasons, and, you know, he was being practical. And Ben was a very practical man for the most part. You know, when, when you look at his views on religion or on moral codes— he saw. He thought it'd be great if everyone followed those practical rules, but uh, uh, you know. And he probably needed the salary. He needed the perks. So he, he the, the, the other thing, even though his father probably could have assisted him, got him something else. But. That, that's right. So uh, a lot of times there's humility because you you have to be. You can't help but be humble here, and so uh, uh, William needed the money. I mean, they weren't large landowners. I mean, they 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 made their money by their wits and by being, holding elected office. And so uh, while Ben was wealthy, William was not. And, you know, William had this wife from a prominent family. He had this position in government that was hard to get. And now his father's expecting him to throw it out, all out of the way because William kind of, symp- I mean, he sympathized with the colonists, but he thought the British government had to do what it takes to maintain the empire. So William and his influence tried to 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 tell uh, our first continental congress when they met to tell New Jersey representatives not to attend and not to participate is that true That's correct. Uh they so saw, he was there to try to show his loyalty to the crown. And he was speaking to the New Jersey legislature which he had a a, a challenging relationship with. And, you know, we see uh, a split Congress or a split White House and Congress and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of tension there. And there were members of the legislature going to the Continental Congress or the assembly. And um, William was like, look, y'all need to either not go or not talk about this. This is not helpful. This is not going to get anything productive done. It's only going to stoke the fire, which, frankly, was not bad advice. Now, we're glad they ignored mm-hmm. it. But at the time, when you all things considered, um, they could have. It, it, it wasn't bad advice. But I the mean, other the other aspect, though, that uh, that William wrote ben, his father about uh, that that Boston should repay all the industries uh, restitution for all the the Tea Party, et cetera. And but Ben was was saying no, right? That's right. Ben 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 said that's absurd. And what's what, what, what one thing that bothered me. And again, as an American, we, we look at, think of ourselves as individuals, is the people of Boston paying it, not the people that dumped it in the water. Like, England <laughs> didn't care. They just Who wanted paid? to be compensated. They just want their money. That's right. That's right. And so, um, and William wrote that, like, why can't they do it and fix things? And Ben said, no, this is a moral stand. They had been exploited on unfair and unjust laws. Uh, uh, money was, was uh, uh, effectively confiscated for no good purpose and, the, and these uh, arbitrary taxes. 
And, and people so are ben- imprisoned, people are searched, and uh, all those items that we have now in our amendments to the Constitution. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, that those were written with experience. Definitely. We'll hold that thought, Rich. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Bears, Tending Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Rich Lamb, an attorney historian, and he's presenting information about Benjamin Franklin's life, especially his personal war with his son in their own home. So take it away, Rich. Give us the rest of the story. Sure. So one thing, a great resource is by uh, Professor Sheila Skemp, and she's also featured in Ken Burns' documentary, Benjamin Franklin. But her book, William Franklin, His Father's Son, around 1985, was incredibly informative and got a lot of information in uh, for for a relatively short book. But, you know, this is where things start to fall apart. You can see the loyalty to the crown. You can see Ben Franklin has turned into the revolutionary we know him as. And as things progress and the war comes about, you have William, who would end up being the last royal governor ever in America. Mm, um, know that. He was a holdout. And Ben Franklin went back and forth to London. In fact, his wife died when he was in London, and he wasn't there. And William was always disappointed that he wasn't there for his stepmother's death. William was there, which is ironic considering the early days. But as things fall apart, William is loyal to the crown. Ben is uh, facilitating the revolution. The Continental Congress has uh, William arrested. And Ben is, uh, interestingly, is uh, sick and not present for the vote. He had recovered from a trip to Canada. And William's held under secured uh, guard and uh, imprisoned. His conditions are terrible. Ben makes no effort to have his conditions improved. He actually gets very sick. His wife dies... Well, he's in prison, William's wife. So this this builds up a lot of animosity. William is ultimately released in a prisoner exchange, but then goes to lead a rogue group that goes around punishing quote-unquote rebels. We call them patriots. The British mm-hmm. called them rebels. And six were executed. Mm. And Ben's absolutely furious. And so this plays a role in the peace negotiations in Paris, or in France. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Ben is much harder on the British in the negotiations for this reason. And it's tied to his son. Wow. And uh, ultimately, William set sail for England, never returned, never to return to England. Um, William uh, uh, does make a, ret- uh, uh, does see his father again. It's incredibly sad. Um, they uh, exchanged letters uh, uh, from a distance, William trying to reconcile with his father. And his father responds, that sounds neat, but if you want to communicate with me, send a letter to your son or to my banker in Paris. Uh-oh. I mean, this is this is where you're like, that. this could have been fixed. Because Ben Franklin reconciled with a lot of people that were on the other side during the war. He reconciled with them a- after the war, but not his own son. 
and it's heartbreaking. And the, the, the next time and the last time they meet is Ben sailing back to America. Uh, um, and he meets his son briefly. It's rushed. It's like a business negotiation. Ben makes William uh, convey all the assets he owns in America to William's son, Temple. Ben becomes the legal guardian of Temple. Um, and Ben also makes the point that this is a consideration for the amount of money that William owes Ben. <laughs> it's unfriendly. It's cold. And that's it. And... William's life is not good. He tries to seek financial help from the British government for the assets taken from him. He's an outsider there. And so the country he was so loyal to and sacrificed so much to, being the uh, the crown, is doing nothing really to help him. And he tries for years. It's incredibly sad. He communicates with William through letters. And in his last days, he's anticipating the arrival of William to come visit him. William said he'd go visit with him. But he died, and he was very excited, but he dies before they show up. And it is, it's not a happy ending at all. And when you think, as a, as a father, when I think of what my children could possibly do, that I would never speak to the, them again and never be reconciled, I, I can't come up with much, if anything. Um, and so it is, it, you really wonder if Ben made a good decision there. Now, with that being said, that assumes we have all the information. Maybe William did something so incredibly terrible that his father couldn't forgive him, but because he loved him, he kept that information confidential. We don't know. Uh, we're left with a sad ending that leaves a lot to be desired. Rich, that's probably a good statement. There's probably something else that we incredibly deciphered that just cut cut the ties or possibly reconciliation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... Here we had this fascinating story of a father and son that were not born estranged, but were close, were together for decades, but fell apart because of politics. And William Franklin, while opposed to what we enjoy today in America, looking at the facts at the time, he was trying to take a more practical approach that resulted in more freedom and more protection for New Jersey. And he wasn't necessarily wrong. Now, he backed the wrong horse and we're glad to have America, (laughs) but he made a reasonable decision. And... That's hard. That's hard to swallow, and so. But I think a lot of people don't know this, and to truly understand Benjamin Franklin's life, they have to understand what he went through with William, and why he behaved the way he did. Because a lot of people don't know that in the peace negotiations, William's activities influence how Ben acted. And I did not know that until you mentioned that during the presentation. So that's why they were so strict, and and he was adamant, and he did not back down. They no. did not back down in those negotiations. And the British hated a lot of the, rec- the the things that had to happen, right? Oh, absolutely. Not unlike the the Versailles Treaty after World War One. <laughs> you know, it leads to other wars. Yes. And so, but William Franklin's actions influenced that. And one more tangent to ask you your opinion. I think that because we were so strict there, that's one of the reasons, and probably 40,000, that the British decided to come back and try it up in 1812. I think they had trouble accepting that. They don't. They didn't take defeat lightly. No. You're told you're the best. You, you, know, you, yeah. you rule the waves. And you lost to a bunch of farmers with not matching uniforms who hid behind trees and shot without lining up. And that they were embarrassed. Because then, all of a sudden, their other colonists could ask questions. Yes, yes. And yeah, so that. they tried, and they failed again. Well, thank you, Rich. This is, thank again, you. very interesting. I know my listeners out there are going to find it fascinating. And again, one more second. Mention the book, the, the reference book. Sheila Skemp, um, William Franklin, his father's son. And she has other books about it, but I encourage everyone to look into it. 
And you can learn a lot about it also in Ken Burns' documentary on uh, Franklin on PBS. Well, thank you again. You're you're a wonderful historian. I know you're a fabulous attorney and a very great supporter of the Shreveport and Bossier City area. So again, I compliment thank you, you on that as well. As well. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. Tell your friends to join us next Saturday morning for another show that could benefit you or your loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.